Welcome into another episode of the Mean Streets Podcast. William Galloway joined as always with Britton Johnson. BJ, good morning, good afternoon, and good night to the Texas A&M Aggies. 25-point victory, 100-point game for the Crimson Tide. Uh, also 109 points last Saturday at Baton Rouge, so the Crimson Tide riding a two-game win streak. Good to see you again. We didn't have a podcast last week because of the Super Bowl, um, and so... That was obviously where everybody's everybody's mindset was. Um, so we appreciate everybody joining us this week. And Britton, I'll let you introduce our guest. Yeah, so special guest, uh, one we were lucky enough to have in March of last year, and, and we're hoping to kind of make it a more regular deal. But we have the man himself, Tyler Barnes, in the building today, or should I say over Zoom today. Uh, so TV, excited to have you. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, yesterday was a great day of SEC basketball as we all can attest to. So a lot of fun things to talk about. Yeah. You know, thank you all for having me. You know, I'm, I'm just really honored to be a recurring guest. You know, I'm, I don't know how many people really get that honor, you know, so I, it's one that I really do hold dear and truly. So I really, really appreciate it. Hopefully we can talk some ball. Well, you're, you're one of the only ones that responds to Britain's text. So boundaries, but Speaking um, of the Super Bowl, I almost had to stop responding to his text because of his Tom Brady hatred. <laughs> I think we it, it can be a podcast on in of itself, so we can't get into it because I will get a little. I'm just coming for the throne, TV. You know it. <laughs> I, I'm, you know I'm it. Okay. I'm okay with that. You know, let's let's stick to SEC <laughs> basketball. You know, but, okay. Tyler, what is Fair it enough. about this team this year that has been so special? Uh, obviously, a tough road skid, playing three top team top 10 teams early in the non-conference slate, but this Alabama team has found its rhythm. Uh, and that seems to be something that's happened under Oates in the last four or five years that January, you know, February used to be a month of struggle under Avery Johnson and for the Alabama program. And now Alabama's hitting their stride. How so? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, we hear a lot about how great of a job Oates is doing this year. And I, I really don't think that can be underestimated. Um, I mean, what we lost last year, both with the players and the coaching staff and coming back this year. And I think that's one of the reasons why this team is so really loved right now by the fan base is you can see that they fought through adversity. You know, they had the early season struggles and it looks like they never lost belief in themselves and they just continued to get better and better and better and better. And now, I mean, there's not a more underrated player in the country than what Mark Sears is doing for this team and this program. I mean, he's just putting up – I mean, BJ, I love your tweets about the 20-point games. It is becoming automatic. And, I mean, the offense is insanely fun to watch, and the defense is getting better. That's the one thing – you know, that's the one thing Oates talked about a bunch and everyone really of, like, if you want to compete for national titles and Final Fours, it's – you got to be in that top – I forget what the number is, top 40 in Kempom. But, yeah, I think that's the, – the main thing is just how they respond to adversity – and they just become closer knit as a group and they just keep on winning. And that's just, you know, gain a lot of favor with the Crimson Tide fans. Yeah, Britton, Nate came and spoke Monday at Tip-Off Club, and that's what he said, Tyler, exactly what you said about national championship teams being great not only in offense, but you said being top 40, you know, there's kind of that threshold, uh, and they've got to still figure out what it takes to get there. And then once you get there, be able to sustain it. So, Britton, how have you seen – I mean, Sam Walters had a fantastic game yesterday for the Crimson Tide. Uh, Britton, how have you seen Alabama's defense improve, and uh, how much do you attribute that to Nate's coaching job? I mean, a, a lot. 
a lot of that is definitely Nate. And, you know, to lose your entire staff, I think as Alabama fans, we've become a little numb to it. And just because we've seen Saban reload a coaching staff so many times, but it, it's unprecedented to lose all three of your assistant coaches in college basketball, um, not just from a coaching standpoint, but from a recruiting standpoint. And so for them to have a top five class coming in next year, um, for them to be, I mean, this is his best coaching job, in my opinion. Last year, they were loaded. They're really deep. They had guys, and obviously, it was a great coaching job. And you look at, you know, his second year, Tyler's, uh, I guess, senior, not super senior year, and my junior uh, year uh, when we won the SEC. That that was a big year of kind of improving. But I, I think that what you're seeing now is the result of what Oates teams aim at doing. Um, and just scheduling a really hard non-conference is like they're going to put you through the fire early, and then when the and you know when February comes around, it's kind of like November in college football. It's like the real teams kind of begin to separate themselves from the pack. And um, what you're seeing is an all-time great offense. I mean, I think that Kim Palm shows that the only offense has a higher rating since they've been tracking this stuff is like the '96 Kentucky team, which Tyler can attest to the fact that that team is kind of hallowed ground a little bit in college basketball circles. Um, and so for that to be the, the territory there and offensively, it's, it's unreal. Uh, and then defensively, they just keep getting better. I know uh, that by having that midweek bye was really good for the team, probably sucked for the players because it means that Monday and Tuesday were all defensive practices. That's just the nature of it. Um, they probably didn't get to do a lot of offensive drills. So for them to just come out offensively the way they did, you know, having not repped it as much probably this past week, was great, but they're, they're beginning to make strides. And, you know, what I keep saying about these guys is they win the games they're supposed to win, and they're a team I wouldn't want to play in March because they can beat absolutely anybody. Now it's just can they keep getting better defensively to the point that they can consistently win these games. Um, but it's been it's been fun. If, if nothing else, this team is as fun as any Alabama team that we've seen in recent memory. Yeah, and I think one thing about that is – and it's made it really fun is throughout the season, you've seen players really start to buy into their roles. And I think those roles are really starting to be established. And, you know, you just see players, I mean, Latrell Wright, so what he's doing now and just the freedom he's playing with on offense and just, he's really getting after on ball pressure on defense. I mean, that's one of the things that is one of our anchors of defense is you got to have ball pressure and he's doing it at a very, very high level. And he's one of like, I think one of those guys that just shows that, you know, you can buy into role and really star in that role. He's a obvious X factor. I really love what he's been doing. And I think another X factor for the team and just someone that could really play a part in March is Jaron Stevenson, the freshman, just because, you know, in March, you got to have the ability to switch matchups. You know, we can play big, play small. And that's the guy, you know, the stretch four type build, you know, you can play him really a three, four, or even five position and just have that versatility and then all the guards you ha have is what really inspires hope for March yeah, as this team just continues to improve. Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned Trelly because I was uh, – I had been talking with him or talking with guys about him yesterday and, like, they were you – know, some of my friends were almost saying that he was their favorite player on the team. And I was like, I can't go quite that far just because Mark is so phenomenal. Obviously, we have Max the Shark Sharnowski out there. Um, but you know, Trelly, what he provides, what Ryland provides defensively. Um, I, I, I think that those guys kind of in this weird way are the keys because Mark is so consistent, you know, exactly what you're going to get for him. Like good, good game, bad game. He's still probably going to get 20 to 25 points, 
He's probably going to get, you know, his four or five assists or whatever. It, it's what can the other guys provide is going to be the difference between winning and losing basketball games. And so, um, but yeah, it, it's time to kind of, I, I, I love the depth and the guys that are starting to, like you said, star in their roles. Um, I think that's why I think they might be primed for a run. I think that this is a team that might peak at the right time. And if they do, it, it's scary because they can hit. I think that's all someone say that this is the fourth game they've hit 18 threes this season. It's the eighth or ninth time they've had 100 points in a game. Like, that is unbelievable. I think when we had, you know, we had the 23 three point game against LSU, we had a couple other ones that were like in that territory, but to have four 18 plus three point games is like, that's pretty unheard of. And they're doing it at a, like 40 plus percent clip. So, you're going to have to outscore them, and you know that. I think that the danger with March is that you're going to have a team that's going to slow the pace down and make it a possession-by-possession game. And if they can kind of dominate the low post, that's where we got to figure something out. Um, but but we're improving. And so uh, this is a team that could be a two-seed come March, which is kind of crazy. I don't think anyone was thinking in that you know vein a couple of months ago. So uh, I just love the way, like you said, that they're improving, that they're consistently finding ways to – you know, go and win these games. I think this is a big week coming up for them this week. Um, but if they can kind of keep scratching and clawing, I if they win the SEC this year, like that, that's stupid. That like if I were the rest of the league, I'd be so upset because this is not the team. They're you know they're projected fifth again because it's like you said at the beginning of the year loves when teams pick us or when the league picks us fifth. Um, but even you know through December, this was not the team that was expected to do it. Kentucky was supposed to do it. Tennessee was supposed to do it. A lot of Auburn people said they were supposed to do it. And yet you look and we're however many weeks deep and it's like Alabama's top of the pack standing alone. So uh, it's pretty remarkable when you think about it. So I want to ask both of you guys, because you're standing at 18 and seven, 10 and two in conference play, meaning you've got six more games. And it's one of those things where you got to go out and earn it every day in practice. You got to go out and earn it. There's no gimmies, you know, especially you look at Tennessee, either second or third to last game in the conference slate at home. That's a huge one. Um, What as a player in the program, in the locker room, what's going on in the sense where how do you take your sustained success? People are telling you you're going to be a three seed. You could possibly move up to a two seed in the NCAA tournament. How do you sustain and keep working and not get complacent where you are at this point in the season. Yeah, I think that's really just one comes down to the culture of the program. You know, you really do just take it day by day. And I think it starts with just the way our practices are set up. Um, You know, it's one of those things that I don't know how common is that people know, but like, I mean, we compete legitimately in every single drill. There's a winner and there's a loser. So really that sort of competition practice drives everyone because if you don't have a good day in practice or you're complacent in practice, you're going to get killed and then you're going to have to run, you know? So it's really having that sort of culture of just compete, 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 and always trying to get improved. And you know that in that coaching staff, in that locker room, you know, they're not, they're not letting them be complacent because there are, uh, there are definitely areas to still improve upon. You know, we touched on the defense. There's still a lot of areas, you know, sometimes, you know, turnovers, there's, areas to improve upon and this isn't like a finished product which is one of the things that's so exciting about this team is they're playing so well and there's still that they can make strides in a lot of different ways yeah i mean a lot of it's top down right and so as much as i think tyler and i would like to puff out our chest and say that it was it was awesome and to an extent i think it's every player and every person every manager associated with the program 
Like there is a head coach in Tuscaloosa right now that I think is maybe the most competitive person I've ever been around and just and his doesn't name accept the Kalen idea. And Moore is what you're saying. And it's not Nick Saban because he's in Tuscaloosa. He could be right there too. Uh, but just I know that Nate is as competitive as any person I've ever met, like down to the point where if you're playing ping pong or pool against him, like he wants to rip your heart out. And so I think that goes into every day in practice. Like he's not going to let the guys slip up um, and think a lot of themselves. I mean, that's why you watch film on every single game, good, bad, and ugly, uh, because you can keep improving. And obviously I don't – I'd like to think this team's not foolish enough to think they're a finished product because they might – feel really good about where they're at in the sec landscape but the honestly the the goal for an alabama basketball team now kind of extends beyond the sec that's not to say that those aren't still goals that are really really important but uh i think alabama has arrived enough as a program where it's, it's kind of what are you going to do in march not are you going to make it to march not are you going to be a top four seed in the sec it's how are you going to be playing when when it really matters and so it's, it's just a constant growth mindset. You know, that's one of the three values, the core values of the program's continuous growth. And as long as that's kind of the focus, like uh, Oates make, makes it where you're going to work hard individually on your game in the gym throughout the year. You're going to work hard in practice. So when it comes to game time, like there is no reason not to just put your best foot forward every single night. You'd be foolish not to. I mean, Alabama has three home games left on the slate. Um, the crowd has been phenomenal this year and you get to play in front of them three more times. Like you said, one of them's against Tennessee and then you got Florida on Wednesday. I think Arkansas is at the end, uh, which all three are talented teams and playing. Well, not Arkansas, but the other teams are playing good basketball right now. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta put your best foot forward and it's, it's tough to win a league. I think that that's why I have hope in this team though, is because they've been able to stack good performance after good performance when they've had reasons to not show up. I mean, they get down 17-2 at Georgia. It, it would have been so easy to just mail it in that day and to say, you know, like t- tonight's not our night. Other teams in the league have done that. South, you know, Tennessee lost to South Carolina, which I know they were had a great record at one point, but I think we all saw that they weren't a, an upper echelon team. Um, and Tennessee lost to Mississippi State. And Auburn lost a couple of games they probably shouldn't have lost. Like, Every single team in the league, except for Alabama, has lost a game they were not supposed to lose or probably shouldn't have because it's so hard to night in and night out do it. That's why I've been so impressed with this team so far. Tyler, the Auburn game a week and a half ago, I guess, since the SEC wants to keep pinning Alabama and Auburn on weeknights, um, it was, I guess, 18 points. Auburn probably could have and should have eclipsed the 100-point mark. Uh, you played on a lot of games there. Uh, I believe one was COVID, so it was a little bit different, which y'all got the win. Um, but that – that I think it was a double overtime or single overtime game where Alabama was down 16-0. to zero. That, to me, was kind of a, an eye-opening spark, and I think that was back in 2020. Um, but – a lot of newer basketball fans or fans that have not followed college basketball for years and years and years will look at that and say, well, Auburn's, you know, they beat Alabama by 20 at home. Alabama beat Auburn. Like, why isn't Auburn ranked ahead of Alabama? Um, kind of explain why it's not so much necessarily result-oriented because Alabama had, you know, those three top 10 losses uh, and why we are where we are in terms of rankings, in terms of what, you know, the type of play and the results throughout the year if that makes sense. Yeah, I think basketball is just one of those sports where, you know, 
it's a lot it's a little different than football where you're only playing like once a week you know like and and also just the nature of the sport teams get hot teams you know play really well one day and then don't it's it's like Brendan said it's super hard to be a really consistent basketball team and even in that Auburn game I think I saw I mean it was really that last four minutes of the first half that was pretty much the deciding factor of that game so you can see even not even within a game just four minutes I think Uh, I saw, I forget the scoring, but it was like a five point game in the other, whatever, 36 minutes of the game. But in the last four minutes of the first half is where kind of the margin of victory was. So I think that's just the nature. And so with basketball, especially you look at the resume and the total body of work and that's where, and honestly, you know, it's the one benefits of votes. They also look at the metrics because so, sometimes, you know, the eye test can lie. And so it's really a combination of the two to really understand what is happening in game in game out. And that's why I think Alabama, I mean, because you look at what we've done consistently, we beat, we beat so many teams by so much. And it's, it's honestly very, very impressive how many um, like 40 and 30 and 20 point wins you have against really good teams. And that just shows that, you know, the high caliber and how, and really the ceiling of this team is so high. And that's why, you know, and you also do get a little rewarded to, for playing the type of schedule that we play where, you know, you go on the road or I, I guess it's technically, you know, neutral site games a lot of the times, but it was road games, you know, away from home against three of the top 10 teams in the country, you know, Arizona, Purdue and Creighton, like just play. And even Clemson, Clemson's playing really well in the ACC. So you play those games and especially early on in the season, it does not hurt you as much when you, you know, lose those games and then you just keep on improving and stacking wins and being impressive in those wins. And another follow-up question for you, Tyler, uh, just kind of going down the list here. As a big man, uh, you see Grant Nelson's game. He stretches the floor. He shoots. He he may not have made every shot this year, but Coach Oates never lost confidence in him and his ability to stretch the floor and do what he's capable of. What is What is Grant truly capable of when he's playing at his highest level? Well, it's really one of the things that I think I've took away from my five years at Alabama and something that, you know, you really don't realize as like a fan and things is just how much confidence is so, so, so important. I mean, you see dudes all the time who will, and it's almost like cliche, you know, where they like can't miss in practice and you're just like, oh man. And then it's just, it's total confidence of, you know, a player could not, you could do, be, have the same shooting motion the do everything the exact same, but just the confidence in the shot. And that's where I think you see Grant Nelson has just, you know, those two big shots at Georgia. I think he's just been really just increasing his play steadily throughout. And I mean, he's someone that can provide so many matchup problems. Um, I mean, not to overlook Florida, but I was literally just talking um, with the Kentucky game and how we match up there and playing Grant at the five and where you have, you know, that you go down there as a shot blocker and being able to play Grant the five and bring him away from the rim because everyone talks about our threes and that's where, you know, we cause a lot of damage, but it's really what we want to do is get down, get downhill, get in the paint at the rims and draw fouls. And that's what we want to do. And it's tough to do that when you got a shot blocker. So having that ability to have a stretch five, I mean, in our senior year, 2021, where, you know, we were that two seed, that's what you had with Jordan Bruner, Alex Reese. And that's one of the things that makes us so tough to guard is when you can, th those centers as a big man, you don't want to be out in the perimeter, you know, it's a weird thing. 
especially for some of those seven footers, you know, who don't play out on the perimeter and having to guard and do help side, you know, it's, it's so tough. So that's why I think Grant can just unlock so much stuff with this team. And also, you know, he can handle the ball. He can get put in pick and rolls. And with the offensive mind on that, co on that coaching staff, I, the ability of Grant Nelson can really just like take this team to an entirely new level. And you mentioned the game at Rupp. Are you going to be there next week? I, I, I will be there. You know, I'm pumped. I was actually just talking about it. It's one of the first times I haven't been in an opposing, like cheering uh, uh, in an opposing arena for a long time, you know, so I'm really excited about that. Britton, I'm going to let you lead the next uh, next topic here. Yeah, I mean, so we talked about it a little bit. Let's let's kind of talk a little more about the national recognition that should be given to, you know, I think Oates and, and Sears a little bit. Um, I, I've seen so many lists that Sears hadn't even, like, made the cut for midseason watch lists on things, which is ridiculous to me. I understand. And then even from the SEC perspective, I understand that Dalton Connect's been phenomenal. But when you have a dude that averages more points, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily on the – boat of like the guy who's the best player on the best team should win SEC player of the year. But when the guy is leading the league in scoring and he's on the team that is doing the best of every team in the league, how is he not more in the conversation for SEC player of the year? I think Sears should be not only an all American, I think he should be competing for a first team all American uh, spot. And I just, I don't think he's getting the love he deserves. I think Oates, there's, you know, I think one coach in the country and Dan Hurley, who you could argue has done a better job over the last couple of years than Nate Oates has. Um, and that'd be, that'd be a fair point. I'll give you the guy that won the national championship last year and has the number one team this year uh, is right up there with Oates. But every, I mean, Oates should be in every national coach of the year conversation. He lost his entire staff. He lost five of his top six scores from last year. How in the world is he not, um, at least on these watch lists? I mean, I, I, I'd be fine if, South Carolina finished strong if they wanted to give Lamont Paris SEC coach of the year just because no one expected them to do anything. But it's it's unbelievable the job that, that Oates has done this year. And um, I, it, it's been crazy to kind of see uh, people still kind of downplay that. And yet every single school in the country seems to be trying to poach them. So uh, it's funny how that works, right? But uh, TB kind of you, you could probably speak a little bit to, more to Sears. I know you mentioned it earlier, just just kind of the player he is. And, and I've seen him grow from last year to this year into if he comes back next year, I don't know if there is a better returning player in the country, you know? I mean, I love Mark Sears. I love, I mean, I remember last year, I, you don't really appreciate it to you really, I saw him in person. And just the fact that he is so tough. I mean, that's one of the things I love about, like, on his drives. He's, for his size, he's a great rebounding guard. And it's honestly, I don't think I've ever been more infuriated or screamed at broadcast other than, you know, maybe some officiating and some of our games. But I, I think it was the Tennessee-Kentucky game. And I think it was Jay Billis. You know, I get that, you know, you want to talk about the two players in the game. I think it was Tennessee and Kentucky because it was Reeves and Connect. And Jay Billis is on the there going – yeah, these two are the only two in the running for the SEC Player of the Year. And and I'm just like, how can you even say that, that Mark Sears – and then Mark Sears being snubbed from both – I think it was the Bob Cousy, some, I think it is the point guard. He's not no longer on the watch list for that. And then game day did something the other day where they did, you know, 
pick the college all-stars or whatever, and they have a list of like 25 names and Mark Sears' name is not on there, it's absurd. It's beyond me. I cannot believe that you have a dude averaging 20 points and is doing what he's doing for a team that's playing really well and leading one of – the SEC is a top two basketball conference in the country this year. And the fact that you have a dude that's leading the, the that conference and is not getting the national recognition that he deserves is – like appalling to me and I can't believe that more people aren't saying this and that and recognizing how good he's been for us I, I it's a little easy of a comparison to a dude that we played you know uh, Jalen Brunson in the tournament but I mean the comparisons is there and what he's doing the production that he's putting up is on that level and the fact that he's not getting talked about or even just put in the conversation so I'm not even saying that he has to win, you know, the Naismith Player of the Year. But the fact that he's not in the conversation for that is just stunning to me. And as you can tell, I'm I'm a little heated. I'm I'm I am heated about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things too. And, and I'm I'm gonna be careful in how I say this because I'm not speaking down on any of the guys we played with. We played with some phenomenal players. Tyler, you were there with Colin. I wasn't there with Colin. Um, yeah, we were there with Kyra, who was a, a lottery guard. JQ was obviously phenomenal SEC Tournament Player of the Year. You can keep going. Shaq was unbelievable. Um, and I'm not trying to, to snub anybody. But it, to have a dude that you're like, this might be the best guard in the country at a different point is such a, a an assuring feeling when you're getting to a late stretch in a game. In college basketball, it is such a big thing to have a guy you can just get the ball to and say, when is this game? And, and with Brandon, it was obviously a little bit like that. But it's just different when it's a guard versus a wing. Um, when you have the guy who's bringing the ball up the floor for you, being the guy who you want to have the ball at the end of the game, um, and you know can win you any basketball game against any defender in the country, uh, as he's shown to be able to do, it's it's kind of one of those things that, that that's probably reason that's up there with any reason I have as to why this team can make a an elite eight final four run, is because if you get into a late stretch of a game and you have one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country, and you have a dude who you can just get the ball to and just say, win us this game. Um, I, I think that that is so huge in March. You see it every single year. Um, you saw it last year with Kansas State making that run with uh, uh, Noel, and he was just, like, making every big play. Uh, I could totally see Sears having that kind of impact. Um, and I, I just – you know, I think the Alabama fans at least appreciate him, which, which is great. I, I've seen them speak up and be just as – like you were saying, we were just appalled at kind of – the way he's been disrespected you hear in football all the time, there's this Bama bias or Bama bump. And it's like, it's like an anti uh, Bama bias. And um, so it's interesting. I wonder how much of it is just like the success that was had last year. And, you know, whether that's just like, Oh, they're just good again. But like people that have been watching, it's, it's like the dude, I think it's eight straight games of 20 plus points, all but one game in conference. He scored 20 plus points. And that game was against Missouri when he hurt his ankle. So like, that was the only reason he didn't score 20 points points because he had to sit half the game because his ankle was hurt. So like this dude is just a robot right now out on the basketball floor and he's got a little juice to him too. You don't always see it a lot because like you said, he's a very like, he's, he's a great, great leader and he's uh, just so tough that like sometimes he doesn't show off and, and juice, but he was talking so much trash to that Texas A&M bench yesterday when he hit that step back three to just bury him. You just saw him turn and just, probably say a couple words that I hope he, you know, he's repenting for this morning at church, but, but he is just, uh, he's been phenomenal. And it's so cool for me to see a guy from Alabama just who was born and raised in the state 
come back to Alabama and just be the guy. It's just a really cool thing. It's been full circle. And, um, you know, I played against him when he was a sophomore in high school. And I was like, oh, this kid's – he's probably D1 good. Like, I just remember, like, yeah, he's a good player. Granted, he was a sophomore. I was a senior. And now he's like – he was no Britton Johnson in high school. Let's just go ahead nah, and he, clear the air here. He, he well, to be fair, he no Mountain Brook Britton Johnson. We we won. He cooked us, but it was one of the things I was like, yeah, he's probably like, uh, if you told me he was going to end up at, at Ohio, I'd say yeah, that probably makes sense. Like he's a he's going to be a good good mid major player. Um, he's not but, going to Alabama like me. Well, it just it speaks to like his improvement. Is is kind of my point. And I'd say the same with a guy like Colby Jones of like. From from his sophomore year to where he is now as a, a two way player in the league, like you you see year over year improvement, um, and just so you know, Sears is playing with so much confidence right now. And and Tyler was speaking about that earlier, but like the mental side of the game is probably seventy percent if you put the reps in. Like there, it comes a point in time where like the physical side is gonna be there if you're healthy. It's just mentally, do you have the swagger to walk in and say I'm the man, home, road, wherever? And and he has it right now. It'll be cool to follow that. Uh, Mark Sears is leading the conference in 20.6 points per game. Connect is just half a point behind, and all within one point, Antonio Reeves, 19.5. I'll be interested to see when Alabama goes head-to-head in Rupp Arena on Saturday with the Wildcats, you know, how they do against each other. I think a lot of media that don't either follow basketball closely or get an AP vote because they've, you know, maybe a longtime football beat writer, whatever the case is, um, seeing how they go head to head it may that may take some convincing you know it may take Sears playing better than Reeves for people to say oh this guy should be in the conversation which Sears would tell you it doesn't matter if I'm on you know a player of the year list or I'm on no list at all you know he's he seems to be a guy about the right things about the team and and making sure Alabama is where they need to be we only have a couple seconds left here so uh Britton I'll let you give a final remark and then Tyler if you'll close us out with the last word here on the Main Streets podcast we appreciate everybody listening we want you to follow us on social media at Mean Streets Pod I'm William Galloway I appreciate you for listening Britton take it away and then Tyler send us home yeah, I mean, I, this has been a very uh, Alabama-centric podcast, as is deserved. Great week for the, uh, you know, great win for the Tide this week. And uh, but I, I do want to shout out Sanford. They had a tough loss last night, but they have the biggest game of the season at home Wednesday. If you're if you're in the state of Alabama and you want to uh, go and support the two best home court advantages in the state statistically this year, um, they're both playing at home on Wednesday. And uh, you'll have a chance to watch either Alabama at home or uh, Sanford at home. Obviously, those are known to be the two best home court advantages. So if you want to see it in person and you're in the city of Birmingham, uh, come and watch the Bulldogs. They got a big one versus Furman. Then they play ETSU at home on Saturday, trying to finish out the uh, conference stretch and, and win their first outright SOCON regular season title and shoot probably two decades, if not more. So uh, come and support the Bulldogs or, or the Tide. And, uh, and Roll Tide, go Bulldogs, and uh, Tyler, on to you. Yeah, I mean, I just had a burning question. I know probably the listeners have, too. BJ, how many charges did you draw against Mark Sears in high school? I, again, in that game, did you, get, did you get two, three, four? How many did you get? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's serious. So, you know, I'm watching college basketball now, and I'm like, the charge has gone away. I, I got out of the game at the right time. <laughs> I would have been so screwed if I was there this year. I couldn't jump with anybody. I'm going to lose that battle every time. So thank God the charge was around when I was there. My kids are going to have to grow up in a chargeless world, and I don't know how they're going to do it. So we're going to have to navigate it together. We're, we're, what happened to the game we love? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think 
Alabama basketball has just been steadily getting better. I'm super excited. Thank you all for having me. Um, I'm super pumped. Obviously, big one Wednesday. They're all big from now on out. And, you know, got an even another huge one on Saturday. I'll be in the building. If you're going to be in Rupp, you know, come say hi. You know, let's get a roll tide going. Hopefully, we can get it going at the end of the game when we're up. So, yeah, thank you all for having me and roll tide.